Hello, this is the U-Rift podcast. I'm Jason Louv, and my guest today is Nye Warburton, who's an animator uh, with a long background in, in, in animation, who's currently working on VR and Oculus stuff. Uh, so I'm very, very excited to talk to him. Uh, he's using the Unreal Engine to build stuff for the Oculus, which is uh, the, you know, the professional game engine uh, often used for platform games, as opposed to Unity, which is the platform that most people are building uh, uh, things for Oculus with. So he's really, really coming at this from a very professional standpoint and with a lot of experience in the animation field. And uh, so uh, we're going to have a discussion about what his experience has been like building for the Oculus. You know, he's just gotten his DK2, uh, so he's just starting to explore the world of Oculus and what it's like to uh, design for this crazy new toy. Um, so we're just gonna we're gonna get into it. Uh, Nye, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks. It's uh, nice to be here. Okay, so do you uh, want to talk a bit about your your background in animation and, and other places? Right. Uh, yeah. So after coming out of uh, animation school, I first started at Electronic Arts, where I was an animator and uh, working in video games. And um, then I sort of worked my way up into the movies, where I worked at uh, places like uh, Sony and um, Warner Brothers and things like that. I've I've primarily been a 3D animator, which means I've been working in uh, Maya, which is the sort of standard 3D package, uh, but I've also been doing um, real-time stuff and game engines and things like that, uh, you know, for various clients as well. Uh, but uh, I've gone out on my own a year ago, where um, I'm now developing all kinds of stuff. Uh, I would say I'm sort of an animation evangelist in that I think that there's all kinds of great tools and things to play with in the animation field. Excellent. And, and so the Oculus you definitely see as one of those tools that might be kind of the future of, of animation. Yeah, well, we're, we're, you're building an experience, right? So, um, you know, I, I think that's the most immersive experience you could possibly get is trying to put somebody into a, 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 you know, a virtual place. Um, and any way you can do that, whether it's, um, you know, gameplay or the, the user experience or actually putting an Oculus on their face, I think is... Um, uh, they're they're good tools. <laughs> uh, you just got your um, uh, you just got your DK two in the mail a couple weeks ago, right? Yeah, yeah. I really haven't um, had as as much time to to mess with it as as I would like. I've tried um, a few things out, um, and I have not had uh, total success getting the gameplays to work. But I have had some um, things work where you know it's pretty amazing how uh, how you you can really feel like you're in a in, in a separate place by putting it on, um, but Getting it the gameplay to work yet is not is not quite worked out. Interesting. Really. Yeah, you you had uh, mentioned to me that it was kind of buggy, and you've been I've been hearing a lot of people say that they're they're uh, kind of hitting some hurdles with actually getting it to work properly. Yeah, I think the first the first uh, hurdle is just the video input. I think um, you know just getting the the image to to to, to talk correctly um, to the Oculus from your computer is always the first hurdle. But then um, there's any number of things of whether the software is going to be um, working correctly. And then there's inputs that are also involved. Um, I, don't, I just don't think the process has been sort of streamlined and figured out quite yet. Hopefully by uh, – I, I had heard that they're releasing like a software patch maybe? Yeah, well, if you look at the forums, there's conf everyone is complaining about the same stuff. <laughs> okay. But the stuff that you did see – you said that some of the stuff you did see was really exciting. Like were there, were there particular um, – uh, apps. I mean, were these just things you'd found on the Oculus Store? Or, I just, uh, I mean, I'm really interested in seeing what's on the Steam Store as well. You know, there's there's always games and game makers who are um, 
uh, embracing it and going after it. And I think, um, you know, there's there, there's like shooters like um, uh, Team Fortress 2, which is right. Valve. Um, and I think that is um, pretty exciting. Um, and, uh, you know, that kind of stuff I think is, is going to be the cool cool stuff so you got to try team fortress 2 on, on uh, the not Oculus? yet on Oculus. Uh, i haven't uh, but, but that you can do that list. right okay <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the real question so um so i'm curious because we we've had a couple conversations where where uh about unity versus unreal mm-hmm. and you are developing in unreal mm-hmm. uh, and you have mentioned to me that you really favor that as a more um maybe a more professional yeah, I think uh, it's. Tool? I think the reason why. Well, first of all, Unreal was was unaccessible to everybody because the price point was really high, and um, it was always seen as. I mean, it's, it's primarily used for those who don't know, it, you know, in console development stuff. So um, I think like the the Batman games, the Ar- the Arkham games, and things like that on Xbox and PlayStation were developed in that, and um, it wasn't really seen as an indie developer game uh, game engine. But after Unreal, I mean, um, Unity took over the marketplace and all the uh, independent guys were really embracing it because of its price point, I think, primarily. Um, Unreal was like, you know what, we got to get in this. Um, I think the thing that really tipped me off, though, was Apple um, in their last, um, you know, big show, not the most recent one, but two two back, they started talking about metal, you know, in the new operating system. And Unreal came out and um, had a whole presentation, and uh, it really showed that Apple and Unreal are working together uh, and it showed that they they kind of have an alliance in that way. And then, of course, the price point dropped. I think Unreal is now nineteen bucks. Wow! And is that um, a month or overall? Yeah, a month. A month. Okay. Which is you know nothing compared to the thousands of dollars you had to pay before. Hmm. Um, the other thing that I find that was really uh, interesting is I'm you know I'm not primarily a programmer. I, I'm I'm kind of a hacker in that um, you know I animate stuff and then find code and throw it together and you know trawl through GitHub and whatnot to get stuff done. So um, in uh, in Unreal, they've really made steps to create um, sort of an approachability with uh, Blueprints. And Blueprints is a visual scripting system where uh, you can make connect connection nodes. And my background in uh, visual effects, where you do a lot of compositing and node- nodal-based stuff, where you, you connect things together um, with textures and things like that, uh, it just it was a lot quicker for me to be able to get in and start prototyping in Unreal. And... Um, I know in uh, Unity there's um, you know plugins that you can get like uh, there's visual scripting plugins and things, but um, I felt being a guy who had been in Maya for ten or fifteen years or whatever it is, um, I felt like it was sort of designed for an artist's point of view. Okay, so uh, on that point of the the artist's point of view, one of my one of my big questions about the Oculus and VR in general is I personally will be fascinated to see if the bar to development dropped to the point where average people could start creating things, mm-hmm. even if it was like, you know, a simple or kind of dumbed down version of Unity or Unreal. Mm-hmm. And uh, like myself, for instance, I would love to try building some stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my code knowledge is limited, you know, to web, you know, web code, JavaScript mm-hmm. and, and so forth. Um, but uh, so I'm kind of curious, it sounds like Unreal has a probably still a fairly high barrier to to learning um but i'm kind of wondering you know for an average person what would you need to know to start creating stuff for virtual reality uh yeah i think the barrier for adoption is is uh dropping by the day um you know 10 15 years ago if you wanted to be a 3d artist or a game developer or any of the stuff there was a 
number one, the software is very is uh, very unapproachable, expensive, um, and the resources weren't weren't there. I think now you've got this amazing community and people are sharing all of their knowledge on YouTube and podcasts, things like that. And, um, the software is becoming cheaper and more approachable. Um, you know, if I wanted to build a platformer or a top down shooter or something, um, I, a, a long time ago, I'd have to put all this code and development in. And now there are templates and codes you can get and things like that. Um, and as far as creating virtual environments, there are um, all kinds of assets that you can download. You can, um, if you have a basic knowledge of a 3D package, it doesn't need to be a high-end package like Maya or anything like that. There are um, off-the-shelf things that you can get, and you could probably assemble a room. Um, and I think once um, Oculus kind of works out the back and forth with the game engines, I know that um, Unreal, I think it's 4.3 now, um, they have, you know, it, in the engine itself is set up to just sort of, check a checkbox to say you want to do this, you know, Oculus. So I think, mm -hmm. um, yes, people are working hard to make it more and more approachable. Of course, it's not there yet. I still think you need sort of a basic tech knowledge and kind of a 3D background. Um, but I still think that very quickly you're going to be able to start doing more and more of that. Wow. So uh, like for myself, like what, what coding language is what I need to learn to... Uh... I mean, I don't, I'm not a, a scripter or a coder. I mean, okay. I'm, I'm, do, you, do you actually need to get into the scripting? To properly... um, I mean, I think uh, if you have a um, kind of a basic idea of coding, uh, like I said, I'm a hacker, right? I, I take code from elsewhere. Sure. I mean, I know... Uh, if and else and then and things like that, you know, and um, with the visual scripting stuff, I've been able to, you know, well, if this happens, play this. And if this happens, play this. And you can get sort of basic level of interactivity in um, prototyping. Mm -hmm. And um, I also found that there's developers everywhere and there's okay. a whole bunch of uh, really um, talented, exciting people doing interesting stuff that are very easy to find on Twitter and whatnot. So, um, so it sounds like the real skill set that's needed is probably is 3D, right? Uh, well, I mean, that's where modeling. Yeah, that's where your assets are, I think. But um, you can get 3D stuff very quickly. I mean, if you go, you go to the Unreal Store, you go to the library, you can get yourself a, a forest, a fully textured forest that's lit with all kinds of, you know, particle effects in it and things like that. And um, you can get going with that very, very quickly. Um, so you're kind of like, like, how does that work? You're kind of like paying for, you pay a little bits for uh, things that have already been created in 3D? Yeah, I mean, uh, I use assets off the shelf stuff all the time. If you're prototyping something, you know, instead of saying, well, I'm going to spend an hour and a half making a table and some chairs, you just find, you, you search table and chairs and you can find, oh, do you want it to be, you know, oak wood or steel <laughs> or whatever? And it just very quickly, boom, right into your engine. Wow. So do you think that we, maybe we'll get to a point, um, you know, as especially as the Oculus rolls out for consumers, do you think we'll get to a point where there will be, you know, just like a plug and play make roll your own game type application where people can just be kind of like, or, or excuse me, where people can just kind of drag and drop assets and, and build something yeah, I mean, if without knowing anything. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking at what's going on in the gaming space in general, uh, I think there's an awful lot of modding that's happening, right? Um, they create a game and they give the tools to their user base. It's not just here, play the game and let's play. I think um, that the future is really about open source, right? So if, if I create a, a world um, and I have a user base, um, I think it's more in my interest to let that user base cont contribute to that world, right? So it's good to give them those tools. So I think you're going to find a lot more applications, especially um, 
if there's going to be some sort of experience, some shared experience like that's going to be using VR, I think there's going to be a real um, need to say, hey, here, here's our world or here's our thing. You know, go ahead, have fun. And then you'll, you know, you'll see that these communities that are using this, I think, um, will adapt it and they'll, they'll be a much more back and forth. And that's what I mean. The barrier is, is dropping is that, um, it's, I don't think our, our, our culture is, is going to be sort of the old way, which was someone makes something and then other people consume it. I think it's a matter of someone starts something and then it gets out and then it kind of goes back and forth between the user base and the developer and then other users become developers and things like that. I think that's that's what's happening in software and that's definitely what's going to happen in uh, in VR. Wow, that's that's fascinating. I think you're totally right and that's it's very exciting as well. I mean, I, I just imagine, uh, uh, I'm or I'm, I'm wondering rather what a world is going to look like where um, it's easy for people to make these things and people are, are, are creating and sharing virtual reality experiences in the way that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And it just becomes very easy for people and it be, essentially may even become a new type of like folk art mm-hmm. almost. That's, mm-hmm. that's very exciting to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, that's, that's exactly right. Um, it's exciting to me too. Um, and that's why I am less inclined to be in a corporate environment and try to be with the startups where I feel like you know, three or four guys can get stuff off the shelf and do something really, really interesting where a very large corporation can't pivot very quickly. And they have these huge infrastructure systems that are not really conducive to that kind of iteration. That's totally, yeah. I mean, uh, uh, that kind of seems to be where things are going. And um, especially with these tools where you, or, uh, and, and tools for really anything now where you no longer need these huge infrastructures of, like for instance, to, to you know, as a metaphor, to start a magazine, you know, not you no longer need to own a printing press, mm-hmm. right? You just need a laptop with WordPress, mm-hmm. um, and it seems to be from what you're describing that that's the way that VR is going to be as well, mm-hmm. where you only need a few people with laptops to make mm-hmm. things. Um, so, on that same point, do you think that? Um, uh, so, I, I wonder how quick um, corporate adoption of this stuff is going to be, or if it's going to be much slower or, or corporations are going to be much slower to understand VR uh, than small startups or is it going to be the other way? Do you think that corporations are just going to sink huge amounts of money into building, you know, uh, is like for instance uh, EA or, or, um, or Microsoft, you know, or, you know, even Facebook with buying Oculus, do you think they're just going to throw huge slabs of cash at, at buying people startups and, and getting people to understand VR for them? Yeah, I th- think that they're just going to buy them out. I think <laughs> that we're still in a place where, uh, I mean, I don't know if you want to call Valve a corporation because they're still privately held, but um, I think that um, uh, a company that's practicing open allocation where a lot of they have a lot of innovation still happening inside, um, they can do things like that. But I think the traditional model of the larger entertainment uh, companies, um, it's very difficult for them to... Though I, I do think that there are some um, corporations that are trying very hard to compete. I think, um, for example, uh, DreamWorks has a division that is entirely based on new technologies that is looking at um, not just the entertainment application, but the um, the use of VR and things in like health and, and education and things like that. Um, so I think there are some doing it, but I think that for the most part, it's, it's usually, uh, you know, a couple of guys or, or girls or whoever have a great idea and they start going at it. And then the, the money comes in once the idea has, has got some traction. Got it. Well, why don't we just jump into this? I mean, how do you think that this is going to uh, affect the, I mean, how do you think VR is going to affect the 
you know, big entertainment and, you know, the big games companies in general? Um, well, uh, for, for many years, the, the, the big thing that I think is, is interesting about the movies is um, in the last few years of my career, I was doing something called pre-visualization, which was we were, um, especially for the big blockbuster films, we would create uh, virtual worlds uh, to be able to plan out all the shots. So, you know, if if you have a truck that's flipping over three times or a superhero beats up an alien or something like that, you, you know, you have to shoot. In the old days, you have to shoot old days, quote unquote. You have to shoot uh, a plate and then put a CG character in and then edit and whatever. If you create everything in a sort of a virtual animatic, um, you can use that to do cost estimation. Um, what was happening as I was starting to leave was we were using more and more uh, motion capture, more real-time technologies, things like that, where um, you could motion capture uh, a character running and quickly throw it into a, um, a game engine or a virtual world or whatever and set the cameras in lots of different places. And that would be able to be a way for us to check, you know, okay, well, does this shot work or does that shot work or how much does this cost and whatever. I think um, in that space, in the planning and the sort of conceptualizing of, of movies, um, I think it's going to be used a lot. I think it's going to be used as a tool. Uh, so that's one application of it. I think... Um, the gaming world has always been, uh, uh, well, for the most part, I mean, you have the very big corporate Call of Duty kind of work or stuff, but I think there's a lot of um, interesting stuff that's being done in the gaming um, space that's using uh, uh, hardware peripherals and things like that. Um, and Oculus, of course, is the, the big jewel and the crown of that. But, um, you know, there's there's all kinds of stuff, especially as we have our heartbeats are being um, tested and how our eyes are in our skin and reaction and things like that. So um, I think the sky's the limit of what's going to be happening in terms of an entertainment uh, application in the gaming space. Do you think there's any danger of, uh, well, not danger, but do you think that there's a possibility of, of VR uh, replacing traditional screen entertainment, whether that's TV, movies, or uh, games? Um, yes. Well, no. I, I, I mean, it's really hard to tell because... Um, it depends on who the customer is. If it's if it's someone on a bus and they just want a quick fix and they want to play Candy Crush, I don't think they're going to pull out an Oculus Rift. <laughs> um, but it, um, I like, you know, when my wife is out of the house, I'll sit down on the couch and play my Xbox and play Assassin's Creed. Would I love to put an Oculus Rift on and play that same experience <laughs> and, you know, jump off a roof and actually feel myself going? Yeah, I think I will. So I think you're going to see adoption much more in the hardcore space first hmm. and then um, not so much casual gamers well i mean i don't know does facebook have a, a long-term strategy or are they just sort of grabbing it earlier on i mean well, is that's, that... that's the two billion dollar question yeah right? yeah who knows um and is it is it also going to be um let me walk through a virtual mall so i can like my fall fashions and see what's hmm. on sale and whatever and is that the application they're going to use um i don't know i don't know these are all wild guesses right part of the fun right yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see uh, uh, what happens when it rolls out for consumers, especially if, um, well, hopefully they're they're able to get over the uh, the nausea effect. You know, <laughs> yeah. It, did you have any issues with that when you? Yeah, were I I did. I had um, it. I think um, in the older version of the Oculus, it was that they hadn't quite. Certainly, what what was weird was I was walking, and then I looked to the left as I was walking forward, and there was some, there was just this instant disconnect, and um, I. I instantly just felt really, um, but what was really interesting to me is how long it lasted after the fact. And I think this is mm. a common uh, feedback. How, how long did it last? Because I've heard people say that it can go from five minutes to half an hour where they feel dizzy afterwards. 
yeah, I, yeah, I was, um, I went and got lunch afterwards and was, I remember just walking feeling like, oh, I, I still, yeah. still couldn't shake it. That sounds unpleasant. But I think, um, I think the two from what I hear has, has fixed that. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I've yet to experience real unpleasantness on that. Okay. Well, let's hope it's all, uh, it's all worked out. Um, so you're, you're, uh, one of the reasons why I was, I was, uh, one of the many reasons I was fascinated to talk to you is, uh, you're working on, uh, uses of, of VR, not just for gaming, but also, uh, education and therapeutic uses. Is that well, right? I think that's part of gaming actually. Okay. Um, that's a better okay. way to say it. But, um, yeah, I started off, um, uh, 18 months ago, I was working for an interactive firm where we were creating educational games. And the idea was that if we use a reward system, we can help teach kids. So I spent a lot of time doing um, these reward systems and how do you create games. And um, it got the attention of a particular um, a psychiatrist and other psychiatrists. And they were very interested in how how can you affect behavior with a game. And... Um, what that is is how do you create an experience for someone to to uh, to experience, and how does that be change their behavior hmm. for the better? Uh, so if you think about it that way, is okay. Well, we're creating an experience that's going to affect behavior. It just makes sense that virtual reality is something that they 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 want to play with and work with. So what what would an, what would an example of that be? Like, was there a specific application for behavioral change? Yeah. So. Um, I mean, I don't want to get too deep into into psych, but um, you know, f- for example, um, there's something that's cognitive distortions, basically. So if you uh, jump jump to conclusions, you know, you you make rash, impulsive decisions. It generally has some sort of wiring in your head uh, of a trigger. Um, those are things that can be learned according to cognitive behavioral thera- uh, therapy. Um, another one is that uh, post traumatic stress disorder. Right? There's um, military. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff right where um, they're they're actively using things like avatars and virtual reality to um, help with um, post traumatic stress disorder for huh. soldiers who come back. So I had read and, and correct me if I'm wrong about this, but I, I'd seen some of that stuff about PTSD treatment, and at least what I had read is one of the ways that they're doing that is uh, reenacting the whatever caused the trauma mm-hmm. in VR so mm-hmm. that it's not quite so frightening. Is that, yeah. is that, that's, that's a good, that's, that's right? called exposure therapy. Okay. Um, and that's, uh, you know, if you're afraid of heights, if you get stuck on a rooftop and you look down, you're going to have to face that fear. Um, it is, uh, controversial to some, um, psychologists and psychiatrists and, and, uh, social workers, but, uh, it's rapidly gaining traction as a good way to go. And I think that is, um, exposure therapy is definitely a uh, part of it. The other um, part is um, avatars. So there's um, projection, right? So that means um, if I see an avatar uh, that's a human, um, uh, they, they made a lot of jokes about the uncanny valley, about right. uh, you know how you know if you look at a muppet, you're going to be you're going to actually identify more with a Muppet than a completely robo-looking thing that's very, very uh, similar. So but, for people who may not have heard that phrase, the uncanny valley, right, that's kind of like when things are slightly too, it's like right between too real and not real enough. Yeah, creepy. It? Yeah, creepy. it's creepy. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if you look at some of the motion capture movies like the Polar Express from a few years ago, they kind of look like zombie characters because they're, they're too real. Okay. But if you, but if you kind of... Um, simplify a little bit and, and uh, the, the make a cartoon character you're going to identify more with that um, that same in that same vein you know using avatars uh, CG avatars um, 
there's an awful lot of uh, a projection of self into what is what you're looking at. So, um, so that that in itself is just being explored. Um, there's you know the scientists are are really starting to look at what what avatars uh, do to the people that are using them. Um, you know, and I know I've heard of some experiments that um, I think it, uh, that if the avatar loses weight, it, the, the people are X percentage more likely to lose weight themselves and things wow. like that. So is, uh, that, is that just over one VR session or is this like a repeated? Uh, I think repeated it's, it's repeated and I'm, I'm this is just data that I've seen in, okay. in articles. Okay. So I can't, you know, don't don't hold me to to this. But um, but as you can see that already. The medical space and the health space, um, if there is way to, to actually affect behavioral change by putting someone through an experience and that experience is immersive enough, uh, there are definitely applications there. Interesting. Uh, I had also heard of uh, at least one use, which was a um, like a, a pain, not necessarily pain relief, but kind of pain distraction where uh, it was for um, children who were like having a... a like a dental procedure mm-hmm. and it, or something like that, and they were uh, uh, using an Oculus with a simulator where they were experiencing being a penguin sliding down a like an ice slide, mm-hmm. and that made the whatever medical thing was happening much less painful, mm-hmm. uh, and that they were you know in a happy place. Mm-hmm. Um, are there any other you know uh, medical applications that you've heard of outside of the, you know behavioral change, PTSD, that type of thing? Um. Yeah, I mean, but there's nothing that is concrete at okay. this point. Um, there are all kinds of people who have various theories about things that in your gut you think, oh, yeah, that probably will work. Uh, but it's so new and it's sort of um, – the other stuff that that I do mention a little bit is the um, – is sort of the cognitive stuff in that um, – you know the, the company Lumosity does these brain right. training games and right, stuff. Right. There's an awful lot of stuff that's being happened in that space. There was a, and no one really knows what is happening to the brain with these game mechanics. Um, I I feel like we kind of have a big club and we're just sort of clubbing people and then we're <laughs> taking data. We don't really know what these things are doing. Um, we have ideas and we have this this data that's actually thirty forty years old that we're using. Uh, I think that there's going to be uh, a start using that. And, and who knows what's going to happen when you create a game using those things that actually have effects on the brain in a calculated way and put it into a virtual experience. Right. Yeah, I wonder if, uh, I mean, we don't really know how this is going to affect the brain in general anyways. I mean, if this is going to have long-term, you know, especially for somebody who uses it a lot, if it's going to have long-term brain effects or perceptual effects. I mean, uh, for instance, I, I tried the DK1 uh, for the first time on on this podcast and I just had it on for maybe five minutes mm-hmm. and when I took it on or excuse me when I took it off uh, it was a very eerie experience like, mm-hmm. I, I felt a little disoriented but I also wasn't really sure if you know my, my reality seemed different like mm-hmm. I wasn't quite sure if I was l- looking at VR still or not mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah no it does and and um remember a few years back when uh, uh, James Cameron came out with that movie, Avatar, uh, there was some study or article about how people would go to this movie, and when they left the movie, they felt depressed because they weren't experiencing the the glorious, filled 3D experience. So I, I definitely think wow. that there's got to be some sort of um, uh, experience. I mean, these things are very addictive. I mean, you are especially if you're trying to escape something that's in your, your real world. 
I think that there is a little bit of a danger of being escaping to something that doesn't actually exist in reality. Right. That, that's, I mean, you already see how, how people do that just with checking their phones. Yeah. You know, or escape from wherever they are into their phone. Or World of Warcraft. Right. Or whatever, yeah. Sure. I mean, um, and uh, I think that the the immediate vision people are going to have of this is, you know, people kind of huddled in a corner of their room and never leaving their room and, you know, doing, yeah, World of Warcraft VR or mm-hmm. whatever it is. And because people already have that tendency anyways in society with electronics, um, that's uh, that's kind of a scary point that you raise. I mean, is this going to be the new drugs, basically? Or a new, yeah, well, a new form I, of addiction? I, I mean, could it? it be used... If you say drugs, I think... Um, uh, yes, drugs is a good way to to say it, but um, I think it might be used in in in, ad- in addition or instead of drugs okay. for certain ways. Um, I think though the thing about technology and well, I very, drugs drugs is a pretty broad and loaded yeah, term. So, right, right, right. But I see but what I you're think, saying about you, yeah. is it is it is it actually harmful as us as human beings? Well, I mean, if you look at technology back in the day, fire was our first technology, right? And we became addicted to that. It, it it helped us, I guess, right? But I, I does this is this just sort of a pivotal point of us, or is this actually? I mean, who's to say what is the right way for us to live? Right. And I think um, it's inevitable that we're going to just keep inventing technology and and integrating ourselves into it. So what that does to us as a species, I I, I don't know if that's right. good or bad, or even we'll know what that means. Well, it's a fascinating topic. I, I mean, I think that that uh, you know people will will. You know, when when you really think about it, people have been trying to get into virtual realities as long as they've existed, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you consider um, uh, uh, books, virtual realities, or theater, or um, you know, just any any type of art, or or simply just daydreaming, mm-hmm. right? You know, it's like there seems to be this very fundamental uh, impulse in in uh, human beings to uh, look for uh, altered realities mm-hmm. or, or or fantasies and. The fascinating thing, one of the many fascinating things about the Oculus for me is it makes that very real and concrete in a way that it hasn't quite been before. I mean, every other, you know, you can look at movies as simulated virtual reality mm-hmm. or, or kind of all other art forms that people have invented as, as, as reaching towards virtual reality. But now we kind of have true virtual reality. So it's fascinating to me to see what's, you know, what's going to happen if, if people are even going to be able to tolerate older media forms after being wide-scale exposed to Oculus or it's you know, whatever comes after Oculus or as the technology improves yeah. to the point where, where theoretically it becomes indistinguishable from real reality. Yeah, and also aside from just the escapism, um, the, the practical use. I mean, if, if I uh, uh, go into business with somebody in New York Right. And the two of us want to have a creative session together. Uh, you know, do we both put our oculuses on and then mm. we're in a in a room where we have a whiteboard in front of us and we're just, you know, drawing and communicating in this virtual space. Does that help? Does that speed it up? Uh, do we now am I now forming a connection with somebody who who physically lives thousands of miles away? Um, there's a great book um, called Ready Player One. Have you ever read it or seen? No, it? no. What is uh, I, I feel like that's actually where we're headed. It's um it's a. And this guy was a video game reviewer, and he wrote this book uh, called Ready Player One. And the, and the gist of it is that um, uh, this guy create this guy in our time creates a massively multiplayer online game, and it becomes so pervasive that the whole planet adopts it that um, 
everybody is sort of jacked into this massively multiplayer and the the economy is so bad that there's no education there's no they don't actually go to school people just go into the virtual world and the guy who creates the world uh, puts a treasure in the virtual world so everybody is kind of a treasure hunter in this world and it's about one kid who has to go and chase the so there's an adventure to it but it, I know it's fantasy and it's science fiction or whatever, but it, but it, it, I, I, I really feel like it's it's sort of where we're headed. Interesting. <laughs> that that immediately remind me of, reminded me of uh, the movie Idiocracy, where there's the point where the part where everyone's going to school in the Costco University. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but it seems to me that <clears throat> education seems to be headed in that way, uh, in general, just because people are. Uh, uh, you know, bringing, uh, for instance, iPads into the school, and and it's becoming you know, uh, uh, so much internet focused or, or online education is becoming so huge. Mm-hmm. Um, also, um, you got to think about that we're, you know, our, our education system is really set up as, um, this, this structure where you go in at one time of day and then you leave, you all get put into the same sort of classroom. You're, you're sort of mass fed. Okay. Now we go to science, we go to English, we go to whatever. Well, what if a kid reads better at nine o'clock in the morning and does math better at four o'clock in the afternoon and what's happening with this sort of uh, adaptive learning stuff that's happening on the online things and things like that, um, what's happening is the, the, the AI systems are learning how the kids learn. Mm. And if they're interacting with the software, um, they are getting curtailed stuff. So I think that there's like these adaptive learning programs and college programs right now because the, the freshman classes are terrible at math. Mm. So how do we get these kids up to speed in math so we can then move forward with them so they're they're doing this adaptive learning and doing all this online stuff and it's um there's a company called Newton K N E W T O N which I think is one of the front runners in this space I think it's um that is fascinating to me that kind of okay. stuff and and you had mentioned um uh, some of uh, gamification playing into your work a little bit I mean do you think that gamification really is going to play a role in, yeah in, I think in it's huge I think it's going to be everything I mean everywhere you look is gamification I mean mm-hmm. uh, you know you go to the gas station you get points at at a <laughs> supermarket or whatever um, right. and I also think that reward systems and um, they they're going to be used to influence change and get people to do things and and whatnot and I think um, certainly in the virtual space uh, you're going to create, I mean, you're going to create a profile and you're going to care about what your profile, right? I would say Twitter is a game that's getting gamified. I would say sure. the same thing about any of the networks. And I think, um, uh, that is a pursuit of mine in a very long term sense. I believe that, um, everything will pretty much be gamified in some way or another. Okay. So what do you what do you think is going to happen in you know in a very concrete way in the VR space in the next six to twelve months? You know, as we approach kind of the event horizon of the whatever the final consumer version is, uh, what what's going to happen in in the the VR game? Well, I think the first thing is it's going to be plug and play, right? I think that all this uh, whether or not the video input is correct and whether this is working or that is going to be very very much simplified. Um, I think it's probably going to be something like you plug it in and then it's going to say, which option do you want? One, two or three, and then you're going to go and it's going to be almost like plugging in your television set, I think. Um, so that has yet to be sorted out, but as soon as that happens, it's going to go very, very quickly, I think. Um, and also we have no idea really what Facebook plans or, you know, Samsung or any of these guys, these players plans are. You want to take a, maybe a wild guess? 
Um, well, I, I don't, I'm not really the world's biggest Facebook fan, so I don't, <laughs> think... I don't think anyone at this point <laughs> is the world's biggest Facebook fan, <laughs> especially think... with all the, the LO stuff that just happened. Yeah, exactly. I think, um, I think that they're really looking for ways to, to, uh, just make as much money as they can. And I think that's, um, as that goes into the VR space, that's a little bit scary. Um, I, I'm a big fan of Valve. I, I think that they, the stuff that they were doing, um, with it was great. And I think, um, in the short term, um, I, I would look in the gaming space to be the the most interesting things that are happening. I think what's you're going to get in sort of the mainstream or in the Facebook space, you're going to just get sort of sellables and you know things that are not as interesting. I think. Right. Do you think there's a potential for, especially now that Facebook is involved? Do you think there's also a potential for surveillance or privacy invasion with the Oculus? I think. I think all technology has that risk. I mean, you know, everything is, um, yeah. And, and yeah, there's a lot of risks in that space. I, 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 I don't know. I don't know much about security or, or whatnot, but yeah. okay. I think that was everyone's immediate thought as soon as Facebook bought Oculus, that they were going to start recording people's. Uh... Yeah. Well, I mean, when you think about the, the, the brain space about what's happening, you know, you're recording heartbeat, you're recording, you know, all this kind of thing. And, um, what does that mean? Like, are we going to know? Uh, I log into Amazon and I'm like, who is this guy that likes robots? I'm like, oh, that's me. You know, I mean, it's very <laughs> obvious that they know exactly who I am and how much more are they going to know about me as soon as they know my blood pressure and they're going to know oh my how my eyes move left and right and you know, all that <laughs> kind of thing. So, and, and of course, if you know somebody's eye movements, you can pretty much figure out what they're thinking that they're thinking or if they're lying or anything oh like God. that. Yeah. So I think short term, though, um, yeah, it's a, it's about plug and play, and then I think that um, there's just going to be a massive, the 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 wearable tech and the hardware tech is just booming right now. I think there's going to be all kinds of stuff. Who's who's going to shake out? I don't know. So if you're in that business, I don't know how you know how to position yourself. But if you're just a consumer of it, um, I think it's a it's a great opportunity. There's going to be tools that are you know on Kickstarter or whatever that are just going to be very accessible. So um, I believe that, well, for me, I'm I'm going after the content aspect because I feel like who knows where the hardware is going to go, right? right? Like one guy might invent something and then three weeks later somebody's going to come out with something that's even better and then everyone's going to dump the first guy for the other thing. Right. So I think it's going to shift a lot and then shift under your feet. But, um, you know, for an experience point of view and for, for, for a content developer's point of view, I think it's going to be just awesome. So let's say I'm somebody that just wants to, uh, with, with zero you know, uh, development background and really zero knowledge. Mm-hmm. Let's say I just wanted to get into this and make a game um, or an experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, where would I start? Um, well, you can you can look at a, at the game engines. They're free to download. Um, you know, I know people are. Unity is is very accessible. I think Unreal is very accessible. It's you can download it for free. I don't know why why you don't. Um, there are templates already. When you say file open, there is, would you like to make a um, flyer or a platformer or whatever? You can just create a template right there and without even doing anything, pressing play, you've got your, your game running. Um, I think that there are you know tutorials online. that. So if you just wanted to get into a 3D world fairly quickly that you could customize, I think that would be a great way to get into it. Um, I think there there are all kinds of um, very simple stuff that is uh, like um, 
3D programs that are available um, all over the place. Um, I think you're probably going to need a game engine, though, really, to, to get the full experience. Um, and then, um, I don't know, I go, I just, uh, YouTube, right. you know, everything, I don't know, I go right <laughs> to YouTube and I just uh, type it in and uh, there's usually some 14-year-old kid telling me how to do it, right? <laughs> totally. <laughs> It's it's amazing how how uh, how easy it is to do to do things now. Yeah. Um, uh, is there a marketplace for for to sell these things yet? Like to to sell Oculus games? Um, I mean, there's always uh, marketplaces for things, especially through the game engine sites. But um, if you're really serious about it and you have a good team, I you know Steam is always the best way. Like again, okay. Valve's that's Valve's community. And you um, you got to have something pretty pretty well developed to get uh, onto Steam though, right? Uh, well, I mean, if you start early, like I said, it's not about the, the, the model is not create something that's super polished and put it out. The model is create something that's quick and dirty, put it out there, get some people playing it, get feedback, get, build a community. Mm. And I think that, um, if you've got a great idea for, for some sort of user experience, right, some sort of application for this, I, I would, um, Try your best just to find, uh, you know, like hack it together. Just smash it together, whether you're using templates or, you know, get on YouTube and see if there's something similar. Um, I mean, that's how I do game development. I just find somebody else who's got a game that is similar or if that, or if there's a, uh, a tutorial that teaches, you know, says, oh, here's a scoring system that I want to use or whatever. I just, you know, I'm always just smashing stuff together. And I think if you just take that philosophy um, you know, the internet, man, it's all there. It's all there. <laughs> Excellent. Well, Nye, thank you very much for sure. talking to me. That was a, a great, a great conversation. Uh, if people want to find out more about you, uh, or your work, how should they connect with you on the internet? Yeah. Um, you can go to my website, which is nywarburton.com, N-Y-E-W-A-R-B-U-R-T-O-N. Um, and, uh, I also draw comics at nytoon.com and I tweet at nytoon. Uh, mainly I tweet my animation and my cartoon stuff. Um, and every once in a while I do more of the, the techie, uh, stuff, but, um, that's how you can find me. All right. Thank you again. Yeah. Thanks very much.